Good morning, Grace. Uh, thank you, Ryan, praise worship team. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Uh, as you can tell, yeah, the kids are dismissed. As you can tell, if you're new here today, I am not the new pastor at Grace Bible. I'm not Brent Bullard. I'm a lot better looking, but uh, I'm not him. No, uh, our lead pastor, of course, is headed back from a wedding today that he did yesterday in Michigan. As a matter of fact, I texted him about 8.30 today, and um, he said he was sprinting in a Minneapolis airport to get to his next connection, and Sarah did assure me that he made it. So he should be back here in Texas about 1 o'clock today. But so grateful for the leadership of our church. If you look back over the last couple of months and last year and a half, what he answered a prayer we've had in leadership. We can turn and look at that, how the Lord has been faithful to us with Brent with Stephen and Megan, who will be here next week, with Roman Wally, with the staff we have. So humbling, so grateful, just an answer to prayer. We can point back to Christ and say thank you and how awesome that is. Uh, grateful to be here today with you guys. We're going to be reading in Matthew 28 today. You can go ahead and turn there. We'll be making some observations there later on as we walk through the scripture together. Yeah, it'll be posted up here as well. But today we begin our five-week series on the mission and vision of Grace Bible Church. And so when you think of a mission, you hear of a mission a lot of times in a church, or you might hear it in your workplace. There's a mission statement, right? It lists all of the things that you need to do and what your goal is in that job or wherever your workplace is and the things that you will do to accomplish that mission. Well, I think we all know what a good mission might look like. Well, I thought I'd give an example of maybe what a poor mission would look like. Let's say that I uh, were to call Kenneth Booble and I'd say, hey, Kenneth, let's go eat some great barbecue. And Kenneth says, man, that's a great idea, and I hang up on him. Well, he knew what the mission was. He knew the mission was to go eat barbecue, right? But he didn't know how to get there. He didn't know what we were going to go. He didn't know how good this barbecue was going to be. But say I take that same mission, say I call him up and say, Kenneth, we're going to go eat barbecue. I come to his house. I pick him up. He says, hey, where were you going? I say, barbecue house. He said, oh, the one over on South Street across from Bedonia Hill. No, no, no. The one over by Lowe's, the good barbecue house. <laughs> and so we go to barbecue house. We get a three meat plate, sliced beef, chopped beef, maybe some sausage, some of that great sauce that they have. And I'm looking right at Kenneth because I know he's hungry. <laughs> and we get some bread and some of that cobbler and some tea. It's a pretty successful mission, right? I actually went and I picked him up. We went and had great barbecue. We got to see John McClellan. That was a bonus. And next time, he may even want to go by himself. He, he don't, I don't have to show him where. He knows the directions. He knows how to get there. Of course, we know the mission of Grace Bible is way more important than barbecue, right? Sorry, John. Week in and week out, in our church bulletin, looks a lot like this. This is from a couple of weeks ago. But you'll see the words, word, worship, service, and family. And you'll also see it on our website as well. These would be what we would be calling the vision of our, of our church. And then underneath that, you'll see it says, we exist to glorify God by making disciples through devotion to the word, knowing his word, 
gospel-centered worship, which we just did and were led through together. Sacrificial service, getting to work together on projects in people's homes here at our church together as a family, and building a community as a family, which is this is what this is today, our family. Making disciples of Jesus Christ is the mission of Grace Bible Church. You see, because there's been a heart change in your life and there's been a heart change in my life because we have been told the story of the gospel, that we have a father that is pursuing us relentlessly. He died on the cross to take our burden of our sin. Because we know that to be true in our lives, we are then to take it out. Why in the world would we leave it in the confounds of this room? Why would we just tell each other? Why would our students or our children across the street be taught, hey, we're going to tell you, and Jenny Jones, she doesn't tell our kids, hey, we're going to tell you a really great story, but keep it to yourself. As a matter of fact, you guys are going to have to help me out, but do you remember the song that we were taught when we were little? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Of course. You think John Hayes does that with his students? Bobby Austin does that with his students? Roman does that with the students in the college? Do you think Bill Flynn's doing that in his class? Mm -mm. We're called to tell people of this good news. And because we have that, that is, our, that is our mission of Grace Bible Church. What better scripture to dig in today than Matthew 28? This passage is going to walk us through the days after the crucifixion. And it's going to show the Lord's instructions to us because of his work on the cross. So if you leave here today, I always want to just be clear. I want to make sure everybody leaves home with a take-home. And that is, what did that big, ugly guy talk about for 27 minutes? It says, in this next week, you can be thinking of the mission of Grace Bible is to make fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That is why we're here. You see, this is not something new to Grace Bible. And this isn't something that Brent Bullard, our new pastor, has brought in. You guys have seen this on your bulletin. has been a part of our church for a long time. Quite the opposite. Today, we're going to talk about our mission. But in the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about the vision and how we point back to the cross, how we point back to that vision. This is just a reminder, church. This is reminding us who we are and why we're here. So many years ago... It was our church leaders back in 1951. If you haven't had a chance, take a look at the map in the back of the foyer and then also the timeline of our church, the history of our church, which it just shows that we are just a small fraction, a part of God's work, but that we get to be a part of. But if you'll read on the timeline, in 1951, our church leaders took an opportunity to move from downtown, which is across from uh, Fredonia Hotel, and to move here, but think how excited they were to even just have a new chapel, to have their own place to call home. But twofold, what a great opportunity to be right across from a campus to have this real estate where we can feed into college students. You see, this has been done for a long time. This is intentional on our church's part, that we can go over and tell kids who Christ is. We can remind them who Christ is, bring them in here and say, hey, let's train you up, let's walk alongside you. And then send them back over there and say, you can relate to these kids better than we can. Go share the word with them. When I was a kid following Ashley Cagle to this church, my mission was a little bit different. It was to follow a beautiful girl to Grace Bible Church. It was back in 1996. 
And at that time, uh, we had a youth pastor named John Cook. He was hilarious. I wish you guys had known him. One time he was up preaching, and he had tucked his shirt into his underwear unknowingly, and he got to talking, and his underwear came to about right here. I did not do that today. But John kind of moved on in the ranks here at Grace Bible, and it was put upon the parents to lead youth groups. And so you had people like uh, the Librams who would allow us in their homes. And then the Kegels would allow us in their home. And then uh, you had Milton K. Dotson that would have this in their home. And I can remember to this day, my family was not a part of this church. But we had people willing to not only feed into their kids, but allow us in their home and share with me who Christ is. To share with me that it's a free gift, not by my works, not by what I do. Very humbling that people took me in like that. So you can tell, I want to make this, this clear, this is not new, hot off the presses to us. This is a reminder to us. You see, we have a nature as believers, what we truly believe in, and to be f- true followers of Jesus Christ. But reading through today, Matthew 28, and what the Word tells us we are to do when we hear of the good news, we hear of the Word of Christ, how are we to nurture and care for that discipleship intentionality? So like I said, we're going to read through Matthew 28, and then at the end, we're just going to make a three, describe three things that we can do to nurture this intentionality on our end. So let's just go through this and read together, and I'll just make some observations. Matthew 28 reads, After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. If this is your first time reading this, please don't be confused. There's two Marys on the scene. One is Jesus' mother. One is said to be an aunt or a family friend. So just don't be confused by that. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. So the earthquake didn't roll back the stone. This is the first time it is rolled back. Nobody else rolled it back. The disciples didn't sneak in during the night and roll it back. The angel of the Lord physically rolls it back. His appearance was like like whitening. His clothes were white as snow. The guards who were guarding the tomb were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men, basically passed out. (laughs) The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know who you're looking for. You're looking for Jesus who was crucified. Our true story, right, as believers, we know that our Father died. We see that here. He's not here. He is risen just as he said. You have a little place in your notes just to jot down some things and and observations that I made. I'd encourage you to write this down at this point. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. How awesome is it that you and I can't visit our Father's gravestone? So many times in life, we have relatives, family members that have passed on. We can go pay our respects, right? We can't do that with our Father. He's alive. The angel even physically takes them to go prove this to them. He says, come and see the place where he lay. He's not there anymore. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. 
there they will see me. The men who knew Jesus most, the 11, they were scattered, right? They were terrified, scared. They had split up after the crucifixion. Isn't it interesting? These women are a brave testament of how God uses people that you don't expect. See, if I had written this story, I think I would have written it probably a little bit differently, where you would have had the 11 come in, take over the guards, come and get Jesus and save the day. And yet we see humbly how two women who were brave enough, one which was going to see her son, I think it's important for us to jot down man or woman. This is our job. This is our calling. There's no JV varsity here. I think that needs to be clear for us as believers. Yes, in our belief as Christians, we believe that the husband is to be the head of the household and the leader. But when it comes to bringing the gospel to people, it's all the same. So we see a lot of firsts here. We see our father worship for the first time as Lord and King. We see that he's risen. We see two people taking the word for the first time and telling other people. But when we have a mission and usually have a goal and a mission to accomplish something, there's going to be opposition, right? In the next couple of chapters, we're actually going to see for the first time, hot off the presses, the news of the Lord, we're going to see people trying to oppose it and cover it up already. How quickly Satan works. Let's go ahead and read through this, 11 through 15. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. When the chief priest had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, not just some petty cash. They gave them a lot of money for cover-up money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night, stole him away while you were asleep. Where were the disciples? They weren't there. If this report gets back to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money, did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Remember who would have ultimately behind this, who would have been behind this deception, and that's Satan. But a lot of self-deception here too as well that we can see. We know that if it's our mission to tell people about Christ, we know there's going to be people out there who try to counter it. The best way for me to sum up these verses is I was given a great study Bible years ago by my in-laws, and I love it. And I'm just going to go ahead and read what the study notes say. Let's keep it on the bottom shelf. I, just, I think it states this the best way. So at the same time, you have two women going to sprint to tell the disciples about the king. And then at the same time, you have a group of religious leaders, here's what the notes say, they were plotting how to cover up the resurrection. And simply, here's how the notes state it. Today, there's still two, uh, today, there is a still a great stir over the resurrection. And there is still only two choices, simply, to believe that Jesus rose from the dead or be close to the truth, denying it, ignoring it, or just trying to explain it away. I thought it described that perfectly. We have a good message, we have a good news, and then we have confusion set in and the deceiver trying to make people confused and cover it up, correct? We just can't be surprised when we face this. When we leave these walls, when we leave this encouragement, we can't be surprised that we're going to face adversity. And we see it so quickly, even after the word, even after it says he is risen, it immediately is happening. 
In the next verses, 10, uh, I'm sorry, 16 through 20, we finally get to see the 11 reunited with Christ. Let's go ahead and read through that. The 11 disciples went to the Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. About three weeks ago, when I first started reading through this uh, with Brent, we were walking through, making, walking through the Scripture, making observations. And he was helping me prepare for today, and ultimately he's preparing for the series. But when we read through this specific passage in 17, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted, I physically laughed. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Both Brent and I were just, really? It, it's just amazing. Every time you read it, you're taken back. They're physically looking at their father in the face, and they're doubting. What we have to remember about these men that were chosen to be the backbone of our belief in going forward and telling the news, there was nothing special about these guys. They were everyday guys, just like you and I. They were fishermen, they were tax collector. I have to be honest, how would I have reacted seeing my father for the first time? Even after going through about three and a half years of ministry with him. It was Thomas, right, who doubted. And he said, no, 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 I've got to see. And it wasn't until he felt of his hands and saw the holes in his hands and his feet. They said, oh, Father. We're going to doubt our mission at times. How can we nurture this mission to encourage each other? This message to the 11, this message of the gospel message, and then the message to 11, to go, therefore, and tell the gospel, this has to be the blueprint of our lives, and it has to be the blueprint of Grace Bible. It really does. There are three things that I'd like you to jot down here with me um, that we as a church can nurture to help remember to point back to the cross. The whole thing and point of this is for us to point back to him. You can go ahead and jot this down. Um, the first thing would be that we need to be reminding each other of the gospel and to know the word. And how do we do that? How are ways that we do that? I jotted down quite a few things that are going on in our church. Small groups, Sunday mornings, women and men's Bible study, teaching a Sunday school class, cross point through missions that we support, through salt and pepper, through servant leadership training, through being on a meal team, helping Jenny with kids ministry, helping Bobby with um, high school ministry. You see, I think daily I can forget what my calling is. I think I'm just like all of you. I wake up in the morning and I start my list of things to do. And I prioritize those things. I think we can do the same thing as a church. We can kind of lose our focus of our mission and we can get caught off guard and think of other things that we need to be doing. We need to be encouraging each other constantly of what the Lord did and encouraging each other to know the word. The second thing would be, I would ask that you'd write down, is this is not somebody else's job. Have you ever been to uh, SeaWorld? My wife and I got a chance to take our daughter there a couple of years ago. And there's an area, right, that's, there's a splash zone. 
Have y'all ever seen that? And if you sit in that splash zone, they've trained these huge killer whales to splash, and you're going to get wet. The water's cold. After reading this, we're all in the splash zone, right? We all are called to do this. It's not Ben Dotson's job to do it. George Barnes, Ted Smith, Kim LaGraff. It is all of our jobs. We can't just sit back and say, oh, that person's got it, they can do it. You see, there's going to be a time that there's not going to be a need for evangelism. There will be not a need for no more evangelism. But the last time I checked, you and I are breathing. One thing that I've found comforting over the years when I've thought about how do I feed into people's lives? One thing that you can do is pray that the Lord makes it apparent. Pray that he brings people into your life that you can share the gospel with. You'd be amazed how that prayer can be answered pretty quickly. And you'll be surprised when you realize there are so many people within my home, within my job, that I can share the gospel with. The third and final thing that I'd like you to jot down is, and this is from chapter 19, just write down, therefore go. Chapters 19 says, go make disciples. In a society where comfort is king, I'm like you guys. I want to be able to order my pizza and have it delivered to me and not have to go do anything. See, our church should be our training ground. This should be where we're building each other up. We're reminding each other of the gospel. We're reminding each other that it's not somebody else's job. But this should be a place where we're building each other up so we can be sent out to tell other people about his word. Uh, Vince Walsh, who's a good friend of mine, he's, he leads up crew across the street, which is Campus Crusade. He's allowed me to be a part of their ministry a little bit with athletics on Monday nights with a Bible study and then get to talk to a football and basketball team every once in a while. But there's something that I've really liked that Vince tells his staff, something that he uses pretty repetitively with his staff, his staff over on campus to kind of point them in the right direction. And if you've ever played sports or if you know of sports, you know there's a thing called home field advantage, right? And I've witnessed this a lot in my life. When I was a freshman in college, we went and played at the University of Missouri in front of 50,000 people. We did not have home field advantage. We were a very small school. Matter of fact, we got beat pretty bad. But when you have home field advantage, you're comfortable. You have your team there with you. You have your crowd there with you. You have your home field. And then you don't have to travel, right? You, you have the comforts of not being tired. Well, when you go play away, you're in hostile territory, right? You're not comfortable. As a matter of fact, they're comfortable. You're not. Looking at our ministry, we're called to go, not just sit here, because I promise you, they're not just going to come here. They're not just going to come to us. Some will, but all in all, those people that don't know who the Christ is and don't know the gospel message, they're not just going to plop in here. We need to be going to them. We need to meet them where they are. So much reminded of the story when Jesus is walking through, sees Zacchaeus. Does he say, hey man, get out of the tree, come to my house, come to the temple with me? No, he doesn't. He says, I'm going to your house. He gets on his level, gets on his ground. That's what we're called to do. Therefore, go. 
This is the mission and outreach of grace. This is our mission, to go tell people the news that's been taught to us and relay and share that with others. Alan, if you will, go ahead and put up that list of names on the left. Uh, over the last couple of weeks when I've been preparing for this uh, series uh, and today, I was able to ask a couple of people, who has been a part of your life? Who discipled you? And so you're going to recognize a couple of people on this list and some you may not recognize. Dennis and Dwayne, Cynthia Knowles, Terry Hubbard, Kelly Pike, U.A. Duran, Marvin Longnecker, Alex Miller, Gene Nelson. These are all people that forego their fear and being scared of promoting the gospel and telling people who Christ are. These are who people who took this to heart and said, you know what, I'm going to feed into somebody else's life. And it's really neat what we get to see here. Alan, if you'll show the next. This is the product. Uh, Jeremiah Beatron, who you all know pretty well, was a pastor here for quite a while and a dear friend of a lot of ours. He's now a pastor up at Irving Bible Church. Is that correct? When I called and asked him, I said simply, who fed into your life? Who discipled you? And he said, these two guys, Dennis and Wayne, they came alongside me and helped me know who Christ is. And to this day, we see a beautiful guy, Jeremiah Beatron, filling into people's lives. Amazing how that works. Cynthia Knowles, Mama Bear. This is really neat that years ago, I, I think I can remember this, uh, Cynthia came alongside, uh, even one of the girls was my sister-in-law, who is Susanna Causey now. But Holly Chapman was a girl that she fed into years ago and told you Christ is. And to this day, Holly Chapman is a huge part of our church in helping and doing the same thing, trying to tell others, encourage, each, encourage others in Christ. Terry Hubbard is a, probably a name that most of you won't recognize other than my in-laws. This is a lady that fed into Kelly Brister, who is also my sister-in-law. Uh, Terry Hubbard is a lady that um, goes to church with my sister-in-law up in Edmond, Oklahoma. And it was her, it was she that really encouraged my sister-in-law to get up in front of women and teach so that they could see what the Lord's done in her life kind of pushed her along. Kelly Pike, you all might remember her from years ago. Her husband was in charge of the ROTC at SFA. Christy Caldwell said that Kelly Pike came alongside her. Christy was looking for somebody to feed into her life, and she asked Kelly. And therefore, now today, Christy can do the same thing with her children, with other women that she meets. UA Dorian and Marvin Longmecker, UA was an old pastor of Ralph Busby's years ago. Marvin, of course, is his, his brother-in-law. Ralph said these men were pivotal in pointing him to Christ and telling him who Christ was. And Ralph has encountered and been a part of many people's lives through conflict as a counselor and helped walk them through that. And with all of his teaching and knowledge, the one thing he was trying to do the whole time was point back to Christ. Alex Miller None of you probably know him. He's a basketball coach down in Houston. 
He came alongside our own Andrew McQuist. And Andrew is an intern here at Grace Bible. Great young man, probably one of the most disciplined college students I've ever run into. He kind of reminds me of a young Keith Hubbard. I don't know if that's a slap in the face or a compliment, but he's an amazing young man. He said Alex was a coach. See, Andrew grew up in a home where the support system was great. His dad and his mom fed into his life. They told him who Christ was, but this was the first person outside his home. It just took him back that was intentional with him. Gene Nelson, a longtime member of Grace Bible. Gene is no longer with us. She was the wife of Bob Nelson, a great guy in our church. I love Bob. When I first asked Bob, I said, what man fed into your life? In the sweetest way, he said, it wasn't any man. He said, it was my wife, Jean. You see, for a long time, Bob said that he just kind of trucked along and kind of did a checklist of church and living life. And it was his wife who challenged and pushed him. Isn't it great that we have a father that can do all of this himself? But he allows you and I to come off the bench and be a part of it and therefore go just like these people. And at the end it says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. How beautiful is that, that we go with the Holy Spirit sent with us to tell people who Christ is. And this is simply how it works out in looks. This is the mission of Grace Bible. We look forward to going through the rest of the series with you guys. The next couple of weeks, Brent will be talking about Word Worship Service Family and how all of that incorporates to point us back to our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask the uh, team to come back up while I pray. We'll have one last song, and then uh, Jerry Alexander will pray with us. Dear Father, I'm so grateful for Grace Bible Church and the amount of time that you've allotted for us to be here and serve you, Father. I pray that we don't take this lightly. I pray that we take your word seriously. I pray that we encourage each other. I pray that we lift each other up. I pray that we get into your word, your true word. And Father, I pray that we know that this is not somebody else's job. And I pray that then we therefore go and actually do it, Lord. I'm so grateful for today and thank you for this time and thank you for this church family that you have given all of us. In your name we pray, amen.